Hey, Gabe, guess what? What? Finally tried Takis. Did you like them? I didn't. Let's just say things turned red that are usually a symptom of something worse. <laughs> okay. Do you... Do you hear that music? Yeah. What, what the hell is that? Todd, you gotta get your mic! You gotta get set up! You gotta go back to season one! Season two? There's a season two? When did season one end? Just now! Oh, man, wow. Um, wait, is season two really that bad? We do a three-part episode on Wild Woody, a tribute to share from Clueless in two episodes on the Wii U! Well, that doesn't sound terrible. Great Scott, it's already starting! We need to get back. Well, what about Gabe? Bring him! This concerns him, too! Great. Mike, I don't think we have enough material to get up to 88 listens. Listens? Where we're going, we don't need listens. Hello and welcome to The Mothership, the Super Nintendad's entertainment podcast where we pick a game, movie, or pop culture phenomenon from our youth and share it with our kids. Sometimes they love it, others, not so much. Not so much. (laughs) We're kicking off season two with Back to the Future 2, a most beloved sequel. Before we get into it, let's check in with Mike and Gabe. How's it going, fellas? Gabe? I'm fine. (laughs) Gabe's like, I'm fine. Next. (laughs) Together, we crushed a lot of Back to the Future. You crushed Above and Beyond. You watched all three. I brushed up on two. How are you feeling about it, Gabe? I'm fine. It's good. I liked it. It was fine. How much Back to the Future were you aware of or have had seen before this? The only thing I really saw was the hoverboard chase scene from number two. Okay, so you've never seen any of them before? No. Okay, cool. And you just think they're fine? Yep. All right. We've got some exciting stuff on the docket. Gabe mm-hmm. did a lot of assignments, actually. He's going to take us 30 years into the future and tell Yay. us uh, what it's like in 2051. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. As, uh, you know, Back to the Future jumped 30 years into the past, 30 years into the future, and then 100 years into the past. Uh, Gabe is going to take us 30 years into the future and uh, answer a couple of questions for us. I love that. He's done back by popular demand. We've had a lot of people reach out saying, how come Gabe's not remixing music anymore after the right. brilliant, after the brilliant <laughs> Willow remixes that he did. Oh God. Uh, episode two, season one. That's the uh, yes, everyone. That's the one where he put a sitar into the music <laughs> of an NES game. It's a sitar outro jam mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it, it had uh, it climbed the charts, had everyone snapping their fingers. Yeah. Everyone was doing the Willow. So he went back and he's remixed one of the most popular Hollywood scores of all time with the Back to the Future stuff. It's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, the the score itself before, yeah. before you know, Gabe's beautiful amendments to it, I'm sure, um, yeah, is yeah. just every time it comes on, it really is. It's just it's stirring. It's exactly what it needed to be. It's such a good score. And the whole score is just kind of like riffing on itself the whole mm-hmm. time, which is yeah. which is brilliant. It's just different kind of iterations of it. So right. Gabe Gabe took three clips into the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got uh he got some big names involved. I think he worked with Ye. So uh Oh nice. You know. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He went he went big. He called in some favors. Uh he worked with some big uh some big producers, Rick Rubin. Wow. Uh yeah, sure. Uh, unless he's dead, which I don't think he is. If he is, he worked 
He still worked with, with the, them. He just with the, used with the, the time ghosts. machine to go back. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh and uh, so he did, uh, he's going to take us into the future. He's going to remix. And then lastly, uh, because Hollywood won't do it, Gabe went ahead and took the reins. And he uh, he wrote some scenes for Back to the Future 4, which we are going to read. I cannot wait for that. Yep. When Gabe writes a Rob script. Rob Zemeckis and Bob Gale don't have mm-hmm. the stones. That's right. Yep. Because they know it won't be as good as this. When Gabe writes a script, it's my favorite time of the of the year. It's like Christmas. Yeah, it's kind of like, where else are you going to get gems? Like, uh, there's a dance-off at McDonald's tomorrow's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the Ninja Turtles get upset because they have to pay their bills for the lair. Yeah, yeah. We encourage you, please, for for, for Gabe's sake, for to, go back to, sake. The, to go back to the Demolition Man episode and listen to how it was total nonsense, but somehow all came together in the end. It did. There was a dance-off. There was a dance off and we all took parts. Uh, hopefully we get something similarly as exciting out of Back to the Future 4. We'll be divvying up the parts. There's plenty of them. Still waiting for my award nomination for playing the janitor. Yeah, well, you channeled I, I him. needed that role. You caught, that. For some reason, I wanted him, but you yeah, stiff-armed me out of the way. <laughs> you were like, no, I got, a, I got a vision for the janitor. Janitor had one line, Todd. He had yeah. one line in the whole <laughs> I thing. Wanted, I wanted it so You bad. wanted that more than anything. I did. I did. I was like, I was like a high school, like theater, theater kid standing outside waiting for the board to get posted with the parts. Right. Just exactly. praying. <laughs> right. Janitor, 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 janitor. <laughs> That's all Follow the line over Todd Hunt. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to crush this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, One line. So your yeah, so laugh, of- though, your laugh after I said I'm playing the janitor and took it from your head right out of your hands. Right. It's probably the, the most genuine laugh out of all of the 36 shows we did last year. Because it's a man at the end of his rope. You just needed it for some reason. <laughs> you had nothing it. else in the world yeah. right there to hold on to. Maybe it was a bad week you were having. Maybe. Some reason, yeah, some reason that really resonated with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did do a good job with the janitor. Way better Thank than you. I could have done, sir. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. yeah, of course. You deserve it. Before we get into all this, mm-hmm. uh, Gabe, you want to give us a quick review of Back to the Future 2? You've seen all of them. Maybe you could focus on two if you want to talk more broadly about... The series, that's okay. Yeah, but um, is, is two your favorite, Gabe? I feel like we're kind of forcing that upon you, but is two your favorite of the three? I like three the most. You like three? Okay. He yeah. likes three the most. Yeah. Okay. Todd, your favorite is? My favorite's one. One. And I my favorite is two. So between wow. the three of us. Look at that. Yeah. yeah See I, how come divisive on. this trilogy is? It's pretty divisive. And mm. you know what? I'm not mad at any of the uh, any of the choices. Of course, they're I all think, great movies. You know, one is obviously the classic. It's great, but for some reason, two. When I was little and I saw hoverboards, I was like, "This is exactly where I want to yeah, be." The future scene of two is probably the most iconic out of all of the series. It's just incredible, mm-hmm. and and, just and they nailed the, it. The shoes and mm-hmm. the jacket that tightens yep. up, yeah. and from all of a sudden the DeLorean's flying around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And people, great. a lot of people call it like. Uh, you know, the, the, it's definitely has people out there that, you know, it has its its uh, dissenters. It has its non-fans, mm-hmm. uh, its angry fans who think it's kind of lazy screenwriting. I thought it was kind of brilliant to weave one and two and kind of be like, here's here's a lot yeah. of one from a different angle. I, I totally agree. And I thought it, I yeah. mean, as somebody who's been on sets before, how difficult it probably was to shoot all of that. Yeah, it seems to like really it get a it headache. right. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I'm sure they just had the first one like playing on a projection screen the entire time, <laughs> just to keep checking and rechecking. Yeah, and apparently they used a lot of 
uh, like new technology for yes. Hollywood at the mm-hmm. time to pull yeah. off a lot of those scenes. And certainly I'm a big fan of uh, rehydrating Pizza Hut pizzas and the double tie look, which the I don't understand. The is the one the, thing that is One just, collar, yeah. two ties. Yep. It, it's so, it's not for function. It's yeah. pure fashion. It doesn't make yep. sense. It takes yep. longer in the morning. It looks worse. But for some reason, I can't wait for double ties to get here. So Gabe, what do you think about Back to the Future 2? It's not your favorite, but let's hear what you, your thoughts. It's fine. I thought it was the feature scene was obviously my favorite scene from all the mm. movies. Question I got to ask you right now. And you can be honest. This is the podcast. It's just you, me, Todd, and, you know, a few hundred folks. You can, you can be honest here. You ready? Yep. Were you attracted to Marty McFly dressed in drag in the future as Marlene? <laughs> no. No? Did you realize, mm. did you realize that it was Michael J. Fox playing no. his future daughter? Because confession not. time... I didn't realize that until Todd told me. Yeah, and, and Tracy, like, well, Tracy said it, it too. And she's like, is that? What the hell is that? That's my house of the future. Was that a, uh, like an answering machine? That was like, welcome home, Jennifer. That's what that <laughs> it sounded like a good old fashioned tape answering machine. <laughs> <laughs> You're really embracing the past, huh? Yeah, totally. Yeah, Tracy said the same thing to me. She was like, is that, I don't remember that. Is that, was that always there? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. MJF in drag. Didn't do it for you, huh, Gabe? D- didn't trick you? You weren't like, who's this, uh, who's this looker? Gabe, who's how do you, this, uh... how do you feel about the, how do you, how do you feel about the way they treated Jennifer? They knock her out. <laughs> they just leave her in an alley and then they just knock her out and leave her on a porch while apparently the apocalypse is happening around them. Yeah, not what a terrible right. thing. Yeah, it's a terrible thing to do to Elizabeth Shue. It re- of course, especially Elizabeth Shue. She's, you know, she's 80s royalty. You don't, you don't bench Shue. Yeah, right. It's adventures in babysitting. Yeah, you don't bench her. No. You don't bring her on the team and then you don't bring her on and bench her. It just leaving her in the alley is just that. It, it's just when they talk about the lazy screenwriting, that is probably the biggest example of it. They really just didn't know what to do with her. So they just knocked her out twice. <laughs> the alley drop off. Yeah. They just keep, they just keep knocking her out and then she mm-hmm. faints and yeah. then that's pretty it. And uh, pretty much it. And then they leave know, her. Why did they even need her? They leave her in Biff's hellscape of 1985. Yeah. Listen, this is what they could have done, right? Back to the future two starts, which is, you know, the last scene from back to the future one, uh, Marty and Jennifer are in the driveway. Sure. Jennifer kisses him, says, see you at school, Marty. And she walks down the block. Then doc pulls up done you don't have to knock anyone out you don't have to right. have this bag of bricks sitting around the entire movie right. and that's it right you don't have to hit her with a blackjack no and they change ca- and they change cast members yeah on top of that doc also didn't have enough of the stuff to knock out marty's kid because he used it on jennifer right right exactly so marty's kid gets mixed up in the whole espionage thing of marty going into the diner in the future right the 80s diner of mm-hmm. uh, of the future of yeah. the, of 2015 right. it's a mess it's, it's really mess. i i just think that she she just should have went home and not had to deal with it yeah yeah totally and the bars on the windows that he sees which is foreshadowing can be on his house instead of hers and that's it done jennifer's yeah. out you don't have to yeah. recast and then knock her out twice yeah you don't have to leave her there for the tranks lobos and zip heads you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> overall gabe this wasn't how do you enjoy this assignment What's your, what are some of your favorite parts quickly from two? 
uh, my favorite scene was obviously the hoverboard scene. Uh, I agree with you guys. Sports don't go on water. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you that it was dumb to leave uh, Jennifer in the alley. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what did you think about the future technologies? Pretty, pretty close to pretty accurate. The drying jacket is uh, dumb. Yep. Dumb. <laughs> yep. Dumb. That's right. I'm pretty sure there was like a dust buster in one of the windows in the same window mm-hmm. that the uh, yep. sports almanac that looked really old. Yeah, it's Nintendo. It's this... uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit on NES. Also directed by Zemeckis. Yeah. And also fun fact. The tunnel to Toontown, I believe, is the same one of the manure truck chase. Oh, is it really? Yeah, Zemeckis that's used cool. the same tunnel, he I believe. Tunnel. He likes that tunnel. When you find a gate, that's good advice for the future. When you find a tunnel you like, stick with it. Yeah. Don't go chasing tunnels. Or on ramps, stick to the tunnels and the underpasses that you're used to. Wow. Right? Yeah. Duly noted. <laughs> that's appropriate response. Yeah. So two's your two's your least favorite of the trilogy. Yeah, I don't even know who you are anymore. I'll, you know what? I'll tell you this with Gabe. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Gabe for one second here. The entire scene in the post-apocalyptic Biff Tannins 1985. I don't like any of all of that. And you want to know why, Todd? Because you're a slacker. Ah. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast about the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, where we delve the depths of pop culture history. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. Or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have... No, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Matt, I've got a great idea for a podcast. You and me, we watch movies, right? And some of them are kind of bad, and so we make fun of them. But maybe some of them are good. Chris, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And eat snacks. Movie Fighters, an original idea on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Almost called Spaceman from Pluto. The time machine was nearly an old refrigerator. Doc almost had a pet chimp. Every studio thought this idea stunk. Great Scott! No one wanted this franchise. But on July 3rd, 1985, Back to the Future found its way into theaters and our hearts, eventually mopping up more than 300 million at the box office solidifying its spot as the top movie of 1985. Better than Rambo 2, Rocky 4, Cocoon, Witness, and Goonies. Yeah, they beat Stallone twice. Four years later, the inevitable sequel, and my favorite, cleared 300 million at the box office. The cast is undeniably great, but it almost wasn't. Eric Stoltz was the first Marty McFly, even filmed a few scenes. When he didn't work out, they fired him and brought in Jay Fox, who I think we can all agree crushed the role. Back to the Future is a franchise that outgrew its Hollywood origins, 
Reagan quoted it in the State of the Union address. Princess Diana attended the premiere of the sequel. BTTF was a cultural phenomenon. And one of our favorite movies and sequels of all time. Now, Todd's put together a few things you might not know about the franchise and the sequel. Let's have a listen, Todd. What do you got for us about one of my all-time favorite franchises? Another brilliant hype up. Thank you for that, Mike. Um, sure. I think the most in, the, the most interesting reason, uh, the most interesting fact is the major reason that Back to the Future was rejected 40 times was, well, incest. Disney declined the script saying it was specifically a movie about incest because of the scene where Marty kisses his mom. Now, that didn't stop Disney from scooping up Star Wars, brother and sister, smooch and all. That's hypocritical. And also, doesn't like Mickey kiss Pluto a bunch of times? That's like yeah. bestiality, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, Bugs kisses Elmer all the time. That's bestiality, but that's the other way. True. I guess it's not bad. I guess it's not as bad if the animal is the one doing it. For them, that's like humanality. Are there bestialities in Mortal Kombat? I don't know. I don't think that you can use that word. No? No. Are you sure? I'm, there might be. It sounds, it sounds familiar, but I don't think there are. I'm pretty sure that that was a thing. Um, you know what? <laughs> now that I've totally f***ing derailed you. The to be continued text that's at the end of Back to the Future 1 was only added to the first movie for home release. Audiences never saw that in the theater as the acting and writing team had not yet signed to confirm the sequels. Now, I have a memory about this because I, I saw the first movie in the theater when I was very young. Yep. And I remember watching it years later at my friend's house on VHS and seeing that and being completely bewildered by it. Yep. Like there's going to be another one. And it was a while before it came out. Um, four, yeah, four years. Four years. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I just thought, you know, that's something that's never actually going to happen until we heard that it was. Um, so, yeah, I remember being really confused about that. They didn't even have the contracts in line. And I think Jay Fox saw that and he didn't even know. And he called and he was like, I'm in the sequel. Right. He had no idea when he saw that, that they had the uh, that the Hollywood machine was running. Yeah. Uh, famously, Crispin Glover was a holdout and he doesn't right. appear into even though George McFly does. Um, right. They used a little uh, little movie magic, shooting him from different angles, using right. some uh, some movie makeup magic. Yeah, and in turn, he was not a big fan with that about that and was one of the first wins for an actor suing a movie studio. That's true. Yeah. Because they used, that's right, they, they used, used his, his image, character. Yeah, and his character and his without image. his uh, permission. Yeah, he made, uh, I think it was about 700 grand they settled out for. Sounds about right. Yeah, take that nice for what Nice chunk of change. Yeah, not bad for Glover. He'll never <clears throat> now, work again, so hopefully that's... Yeah, he's got some head of hair, though. Whew, what a head yeah, of hair. It's great. It's great. Check out Willard, now on... Crackle. Mm. <laughs> Tubi. He's probably got something on Crackle. Back to the Future 2 is rated 20 to 30% lower than the other films in the trilogy, yet the scenes from 2015 remain the most iconic of the series, proving that this film is severely underrated. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. That's, that, that's real, but that's bull. It also made more money than three, and no one, yeah, I don't know. You know no what's funny? No one quotes three or remembers three, no. with all due respect to Mary Steenburgen. Right, for sure. Uh, Clara is great. Steenburgen you know, or Steenburgen? Steenburgen. Is it Steenburgen? Mm hmm. Well, with all due respect. Well, you know what's and interesting? Ted, and Ted Danson's a listener, so. Yeah, I'm looking here at Gabe's scores, and he gave one an eight. He gave three a 10, and he gave two a six. So he falls right into the uh, Metacritic scoring. That's true. 
Yeah, Gabe, you nailed nice it. Work. Yeah, yep. you nailed it. Yay. What's next, Todd? My favorite part, Back to the Future 2 correctly predicted a number, a slew of technologies. Drones, yeah. yep. Zoom meetings, portable <laughs> yeah. payments, tablet yeah. computers, VR headsets, flat screen televisions, glasses-free VR, but sadly, not hoverboards. Yeah. Um, Gabe, you like this, being that part three is your favorite. Uh, in Back to the Future 2, Doc's wacky train shirt actually foreshadows and was planned to foreshadow part three. And he even uses that same shirt as a face mask in part three. There was an animated series called Back to the Future, which co-creator Bob Gale worked on, but does not consider canon. More like what ifs. The series ran for two seasons between 1991 and 1992 on CBS. And Christopher Lloyd was in it. He would introduce the episodes. Yeah, I remember they had uh, McDonald's toys for that. Mm hmm. That's right. They had Happy Meal toys. Yeah, I had a couple. We talked about that in the season one episode, the Bo Jackson episode, about how pretty much anything that had any form of success was given a Saturday morning cartoon with hopes that it would catch. Right. Yeah. Back to the Future, the game, developed by Telltale Games, released in 2010, brought in trilogy co-creator, co-writer, and co-producer Bob Gale as story consultant. Several concepts he and director Robert Zemeckis had originally conceived for part two, such as the exploration of the Prohibition era and Doc's family history, were reworked into the game. Both Zemeckis and Gale have said that the story of this game is the closest we will ever get to a fourth film. Until Gabe's script later. Yeah, and then once they hear that, I'm sure they're going to just say, you know what, we need to do this. Gabe, you're going to have to put your phone on DND. Do not disturb. It's going to be ringing off the hook. That's right. Now, don't hold your breath for a reboot either. Both franchise creators, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, remain adamant that they do not want to see Back to the Future, Future rebooted, remade by them or by anyone ever. Except for Gabe. Don't be discouraged, Gabe. Don't, yeah, don't let that get to you, Gabe. You're going to prove to them. Bob, Bob Gale's a listener. That's right. So is Zemeckis. Yeah. Well, Zemeckis' is son. Right. Steve Zemeckis. That's right. And Bill. Right. William Zemeckis. Now, lastly, to commemorate the release of a 30th anniversary Back to the Future Blu-ray box set, a short movie called Back to the Future, Doc Brown Saves the World, 2015, was filmed with Christopher Lloyd reprising his role of Doc Brown. Interestingly, in the movie, Doc tapes a video message explaining that he traveled to 2040s in a rebuilt DeLorean and discovered that inventions such as the hoverboard and hydrated food will cause people to become massively overweight. Even worse, a simultaneous glitch in the nuclear Mr. Fusion device on the planet will cause a nuclear holocaust that decimates the world's population. <laughs> Cheerful. Right. Yeah. He subsequently travels back in time and successfully prevents such dangerous devices from ever being invented, thus explaining why the future 2015, as seen in this movie, did not actually come to reality. Right. It was their way of going back and fixing mm -hmm. all the things that they got wrong right. for 2015, yeah. which I love. They were just yeah. like, yeah, well, this, this would be a Blu-ray extra. Yeah. We'll just it, throw this BS right. in and have yeah. Christopher Lloyd use time yeah. to fix yeah. time. Yep. Uh, I love that. Well, hopefully a few uh, a few facts in there that folks didn't know, even yeah. though, uh, you hopefully. know, most of you are probably well versed in the BTTF universe. But uh, you also brought in a sequel specialist, I think, Todd. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I went into the Rolodex, was able to get in touch with an EGOT 
Pulitzer and Video Game Award winner, uh, winning writer that was able to sit down with us. This is great that you could lock them down on such short notice. Let's check it out. The sequel. This is Todd Hunt, Super Nintendad, and joining us today is EGOT, Pulitzer, and Video Game Award-winning writer, Grayson Arthur Hunt. Thank you, and I'm very happy to be here. Now, Grayson, you're here today to talk to us about what makes a good or a bad sequel, right? Yes, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time. Okay, understood. Let's get right into it. What is a sequel? Is a second part or continuation? Right, the second part or continuation. Now, what makes a good sequel? Something new and not the same. All the characters grow and a new villain or bad guy. Okay, great points. Now, what makes a bad sequel? If it tells the same story, then the characters don't change. Or it doesn't add anything new. And lastly, if it's too different. Right, exactly. Now, you told me in Hollywood... If they take the gross of a film, cut it in half, and that still makes a profit, that they'll make a sequel. That doesn't sound like very good practice for a good movie, does it? Nah, it doesn't usually work out good. Now, Grayson, what sequels would you like to see? Do you want to describe them to me? Yes, I would love to. All right, great. Take it away. First, Disaster's Playroom. Uh, so I want zero more speedruns. But I do want more power-ups. Astro to be more taller and powerful. More power-ups. More world. And, like, some more, like, enemies. And some more, like, coins and stuff. And more artifacts. And, like, and more everything. Okay, great. Next. Godzilla. I want every monster, every version, like Shin Godzilla, Koju Kanji, what is Shin Godzilla, uh, Earthface Godzilla, Regular Godzilla, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, King Godzilla, which is King Ghidorah Godzilla, and every enemy, like all the Godzillas, and all the flying characters, and like all the, like, fierce ones and like King Kojukani and like I Matt Batra, Mothra, Rodan, uh, and Spider. Okay, any others? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Five Nights at Freddy's together. It's called Twisted Michelangelo. That's the name of the episode because like uh, Michelangelo is lost and all the turtles go to Freddy Fazbear Pizza and like it's about like the twisted electronics and the electronics moving off the stage and like they're biting the turtles and then Raphael and Donatello turn into twisted electronics and then on the stage uh, the nightmare electronics came and then uh Mikey threw pizza at them, and then they're like, what? And then, like, Mikey is, is ate it off their faces. Okay, any last ones? Yes, Mario Odyssey 2. I'd like to see all the hats, all the, like, costumes, all the uh, characters, more Luigi, our space, 
too, and like all the characters, but they like help you sometimes. And more Luigi, definitely more Luigi. He's not even in the game. Bigger world, more hats, and more surprises, more power ups. And like you could do different things, and you could get more suits and more hats and stuff. That sounds really fun. Anything else? No, it's not joke time. It's joke time. All right, joke time it is. What do you got? Why can't Toad put an indoor pool in his house? I don't know why. Because it would take up two mushroom. <laughs> A mushroom. I get it. Good one. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. I know, like you said, you're very, very busy. Can you just remind the audience at home what gaming should be? Fun. That's right. Thanks again, Gray. You're welcome. Donkey Kong poop. <laughs> He's very busy. He's very busy. He's very busy. And also, uh, I would pay to see a Ninja Turtles Five Nights at mm-hmm. Freddy's. Yeah. Crawl across over. <laughs> Twisted Michelangelo. You twisted Michelangelo. That's uh, Hollywood's going to steal that gray. So you better, uh, you better he, um, that, lock that, send it in, a, write it down, put it in an envelope, send it to yourself. Right. I hear yeah. that that yeah. counts as copywriting. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that'll gag. Uh, he was he was having trouble falling asleep the other night, as we often discuss as being fathers, where they'll come downstairs with excuses like their face is sweaty or their feet are, feet are itchy. And the night that we recorded that, <laughs> right. he came downstairs and he goes, "I'm not sure. I'm happy with the name Twisted Michelangelo." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why? He's like, I don't know. I feel like I can do better. I was like, just go to sleep and stop being my son. <laughs> stop, stop being, being me. <laughs> stop being my son. I'm sorry I did this yeah, I'm sorry you I gave you this disease. Sleep. Yes, yeah. this creativity disease. He's like, I all right. I think I can do better. Yeah. I think I can do better. <laughs> it's like, you can't do better. It's perfect. Everyone's going to love it. Go to bed. I love you. All right. Well, I'm glad that Gray is still uh, available for mm-hmm. appearances. For now. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah for now. Uh, you know, it's tough. We gotta, we're going to have to start booking them ahead of time. Uh, that's great. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, some Gabe assignments. Wait a minute. Cubs win World Series. Against Miami? Yeah, it's something, huh? Who would have thought? Hundreds of one shot. I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubs. Well, I just meant Miami. What did you just say? I said I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubbies. Gabe, you did some nice work this week. Some really nice work. How did, how did you feel about this week's assignments? The music just, I felt like, took forever. I loved writing the <laughs> script, and uh, I loved writing the 2051 assignment. Can't wait. Okay. Gabe, I just want to tell you, uh, we've been getting a lot of emails also saying what a great job you're doing, particularly in putting up with our crap. I love Gabe is the thing I hear the most. You know, let that be the wind beneath your wings. How about you start by taking us 30 years into the future, back to the future, famously jumped around 30 years forward, 30 years back, then 100 years back uh, to the Old West. So Old West, Pappy. The Old West. So uh, what do we have to look forward to in 2051? I had some questions for you. Ooh, good. Uh, I kicked them out to you, and you answered them. I have not heard your answers. I just gave you the assignment. So Todd and I are running through this for the first time. So- First thing I asked you is, what does it look like? Flying cars? Are cars banned? Are we greener? Are we more techie? What kind of future are we looking at here, Gabe? Well, uh, we do have flying cars. There's no pollution anymore. Uh, Wheeled cars are banned. 
And flying cars don't fly, they just hover. If I want to drive my Toyota Tercel down the I-95, I can't do that? No. What happens to you? Get a ticket. Ah. A big one. Oh, no. So Mm. no one's driving on these highways anymore? Well, the hovering cars are. But then why are why are we just hovering? Yeah, you a don't foot need a highway if you're just. <laughs> why are we know. hovering a foot above There's the airways. ground, Gabe? It seems like I'm overpaying for a car that does what my old car did for half the price. Yeah, but I assume you can't get gas anymore, right? That gas has probably just been banned. So how are you going to drive your Tercel? Is the government involved? Are they keeping me grounded? Is there flight control? Who's protecting me in the air? Uh, well, you don't go in the air, you just hover. Okay. Uh, just no hover? gas. You just hover. It's like F zero. Use solar power. It's like F zero. That's right. How far in the air are we in these hover cars? Like uh, two feet, three feet. <laughs> that I'm not buying a hover car. What does this cost? I don't know why What's that's the- so funny. We have like this this amazing piece of technology, but it goes two feet off the ground. <laughs> What's the MSRP on this, Gabe? What am I paying for a brand new hover car? $40,000, maybe more. Wow. Yeah, that's not bad. Maybe more. I don't know. Is that the base model? What am I looking at? Yeah. yeah. Well, Who's making the these? Lamborghini. Musk? Is it Musk? Them. Oh, is Musk behind this? Is it Musk? Is is Musk it, are they all Teslas? Y- no, <laughs> they're not. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. Okay. So, hover cars, they've outlawed real cars. What kinds of technology do we have? The Selfarito Diary that comes with Mario Wright for some reason. Um, but the self o right o diary. Oh, the self o right o. What is this? We need to cut a new promo tonight. Self o right o. You take Mario right and speak to it, and uh, Mario like jumps out of the yeah uh, the hologram of Mario like jumps out of the system or whatever and writes for you on the diary. Wow, Why is Nintendo involved. Well, Nintendo's one of the few companies of the future, I guess, that makes it through. The Nintendo, so. is it the Nintendo Rito Diary? No, just the Rito Diary. Self-O-Rito Diary. Self-O-Rito The Self-O-Rito Diary. For some reason, we needed technology to have a plumber jump off a digital page and write my thoughts down. Gabriel! You get home at night. You had a tough day. It's tough. You make yourself some dinner. And then you yeah. do sit down, like where you keep the diary, like to walk you rehydrate through how, a pizza. Yep, you rehydrate a pizza. You take off both ties. <laughs> <laughs> Get comfy. Um, walk me through now. What happens? You finish dinner. It's time for the diary. It's time your diary portion of the evening. Your gratitude journal. You sit next to yourself or write a diary. You press mm-hmm. on on the uh, Mario Write system, and Wait, you just I have speak. To p- still press buttons. It's not voice activated. My cell phone now is voice activated, Gabriel. Something they may have to look at. Take it back to R&D. All right, so you sit down. You push the button, or you say, I'm ready to write. And then he's like, let's go. Let's go. Woohoo! Another invention is the uh, bean maker. You put <laughs> mixo bean. Totally not defending the cell phone right diary. He, I love it, that. It has such a good name and it's Nintendo's seal on it that it will sell. He's fine. He knows he doesn't have to sell this. It's going to be fine. Right. I don't need to explain my diary invention to you. Did it's you like just say dogs. I'm so, yeah. Did you just say a bean maker? Yeah. You put mixo bean in the bean maker and beans come out on a plastic plate. 
Mixo bean. <laughs> so it's a bean hydrator. Yeah. Why, why, why do I have to? Right now, I open a can of beans, right? Yeah. And I just drop them on the plate. You've added a step where I, where I need to add this mixo bean. There's 151 flavors, though. Like bubble oh. beans. Are these like jelly beans or are these like kidney beans? Are they black beans? Are we talking like frijoles? Beans. <laughs> actual beans, Mike, not black or pinto or kidney beans. Don't stop making things up. They're actual beans. <laughs> these are actual beans. No, I mean like actual beans as in like the normal beans you eat with dinner, like, yeah, pinto beans or whatever. Right. But okay. they have, they're flavored. Yes. But it seems like in the future they've made it more complicated because now I have to have a bean maker and add the bean dust to yes. some machine instead of just instead of just using the old can opener i, I i'm going to just i just have to point something out so whoever when when they started writing the script for back to the future 2 they said all right we're going into the future we need to think about some technologies that we're going to have in the future so they came up with you know tablet computers and vr sure. flat screen tvs sure. all that gabe sure. at this point has come up with a diary and a bean dish <laughs> Yeah, Gabe had a problem with the way we were chronicling our day and the way we were eating frijoles. Why, Gabe? Why do we have a problem with the can opener and the pencil? That's where you focused yeah, in. Right. I love this. I Any, love I, this. Please tell me if there's any more. Please. <laughs> no, there isn't. Oh, son of a gun. <laughs> no, what kind of technology do we have? We have the cell phone righto, and for some reason, Mario's involved. And then we have a bean rehydrator, like you do every household. Sure. Now, the Mixo beans, do you need a special device? Yeah, you need you need the uh, bean compressor or bean maker. How much does that cost? $150. $150 How much? USD. Is that USD? That's yes, USD. USD. Gabe, oh. let me let me ask you, let me ask you something. The, yeah, Are you aware that a can of black beans is 69 <laughs> cents? <laughs> and sometimes you can get um five for a dollar. <laughs> if you know if you hit it right. <laughs> or if you cut out the coupon in your note, you circular. Right. In your penny saver. Yeah. I love this. It's great. I, I love that the future is looking pretty bright. I'm gonna write a lot. I'm gonna eat a lot of beans. I'm probably yeah. gonna fart a lot. I like yep. it. And don't forget, like your it. car is going to go two feet off the ground. So if somebody yeah, leaves, off the ground. if somebody leaves a can of Coke in the middle of the road, <laughs> standing <laughs> up, you may very well. I may just no longer eat it be. hard. I might just wipe out hard. Yeah, you're totally going to be boned. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be boned, Gabe. I love this. Mm, okay, work, Gabe. So the all right, looking forward to the future. Looking forward to having my bean rehydrator. Okay. Uh, are we still using iPhones, smartphones? Mm. Have we got or have we gone full implant? Is it just in our eye or in our ah, head? What's right, up? Sure. Well, we use smart glasses and uh, earpieces, and only okay. the super duper okay. rich people have implants. Okay. Only oh, super rich. okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that that's, seems uh, that I'm, could be I'm real. That. Yeah, yep. that could be real. You might have hit the nail on the head on that one. That sounds like that we might be heading that way. Okay. Here's a trickier one. Hopefully not controversial. Mm. Who's president? Um, some veterinarian that won because in the 36th of amendment, dogs got the right to vote. <laughs> some reason. They're just doing it for a goof. 
dogs oh, is the right man. to vote. So like dog dog breeders would become like really important people because they could kind of sway them in certain directions. He's gonna do, he's gonna raise taxes and that's gonna be rough. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe is are there still two parties? No, there's uh, the no. there's the Democrats and the Republicans. Shut up, Mike. I asked Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> there's what, Gabe? <laughs> there's no parties anymore. There's no parties anymore. Think about this. Think about how brilliant this is. Dogs were given the right to vote, so they voted for a veterinarian. <laughs> Because they know it will right. take care of them. Totally. Gabe, it's brilliant. Uh, so it's sounding good so far. So 2051 is looking good. We we fly two feet off the ground. We rehydrate our beans. <laughs> we have Mario write in our Woo-hoo! journals for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, great. So, great. G- hey, Mario, I met a girl today that I really like. Woohoo! <laughs> but she apparently has a boyfriend oh no <laughs> he just he just talks you through everything right totally i've been so I kind of love lately. it <laughs> uh okay great so uh if i gabe if i walk into a diner which types of towny punks can i expect um no punks just old people and pistachios <laughs> just some old people and some nuts i like a future that's void of towny punks i don't let know me ask how you a question gabe is it the pink pistachios <laughs> it's just normal green pistachios ah, okay okay so you've gotten rid of towny punks the yep. vet president has cleaned up the mean streets yeah there's no, there's pollution. no towny punks i'm walking in there's just old folks and pistachios yeah um, so, Gabe, do you, see, do you see diners as a place that old people congregate? Uh, yeah. Plus me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, I it's like breakfast. It. It's breakfast anytime. Pistachios anytime. Pistachios all the time. No, all the breakfast time. anytime. Pistachios all the time. Pistachios <laughs> required because the vet they have healthy fats. Probably is that right, Todd? Right. You're yes. our resident health guy, right? You said nutritionist wrong, but sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, right. You're the, the health man, right? <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Yeah, good fats in there. Right. So, you know, a chicken in every pot, a pistachio in every diner. Okay, so I like this. Okay, so good. <laughs> so great, game. So what's in the average American home? The uh, bean maker. Sure, everyone's a, got a bean maker. Uh, and a guard cog, which is like a dog cat thing. A guard cog? Cog. So Cog yes. is just a mashup of cat and dog. Yes. So we've breeded <laughs> cats and dogs, or is it a machine? Sounds like no. A, a, we we've breeded cats and dogs. We've gotten cats and dogs. <laughs> we've gotten cats and dogs. <laughs> okay. You're you're in a you're you're an offensive man, Michael. Gabriel. Gabriel. We can't get them to to, to yeah, reproduce. Yeah, that sounds like the the punishment from some sort of like a Greek myth. Yeah, really, Jesus. And they guard the house. Yes, every house has a dog cat guardian, a cog guardian. The gu- the guard cog. Um, what's the most popular form of entertainment in 2051? Um, the puppy bowl. As the, the uh, veterinarian <laughs> popularized. That's, well, because we have a vet in the office we have a vet that in the tracks. Office. And, that and, tracks. and dogs can vote. 
Right. Right. Of course. Is gambling legal? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I'm fixing the puppy bowl. I love the puppy, love bowl. puppy bowl. Why oh, not? It's better than any sports I've ever presented watched. Presented by Imes. Science diet, right? No, presented by the White House, by the federal government. <laughs> right. It's compulsory. You well, this have isn't to- niche anymore. <laughs> right. You have to watch the puppy. The puppy bowl gets more viewers than the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's exactly. not at halftime anymore. The right. Super Bowl plays at the halftime of the Puppy Bowl, not vice versa. Yep. Okay. I like this. I like this a lot. You, who are you I telling? Feel like I, I feel like I fit well in this future. It's like made for me. Can I put a Pizza Hut pizza in the food hydrator? No, but you could use the bean maker and you drink Pepsi all day. No water, just Pepsi. No water. There's no water? What kind of pe- what's the what's the flavor Pepsi? Is it Pepsi Perfect? That's what it was in in Back to the Future 2. What's your Pepsi flavor, Gabe? Pepsi version 15 1.503. Oh, uh, the 1503. That's the cherry flavor. Sounds delicious. And uh since everything's in the future, obviously Pepsi has to be an acronym. So it stands for Portable Entertainment Potty Soda for Imbeciles. <laughs> Why does it have to be an acronym? <laughs> Future. It's the future. Who decided? <laughs> the vet, this vet we have in office, this know nothing vet who's out of touch with Middle America. I don't like acronyms for my sodas, Gabe. Okay, final question, 2051. Where do you see yourself in 2051? You bump into yourself. What are you doing? Hopefully, the hopefully the galaxy it doesn't create some kind of paradox and the world doesn't explode. Where do you see yourself in 2051? Just a normal office worker. Normal office worker. I like you it. Heard it here first. Yeah. Gabe works at like nine to five, two ties, and, uh, you know, rehydrating beans. Let's take a break and come back with Gabe's remix challenge. Chuck, Chuck, it's Marvin, your cousin, Marvin Barry. You know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. All right, Gabe, easily one of the most memorable scores in Hollywood history. Back to the Future. One, two, and three. I mean, it's variations on the theme, right? Uh, Score by Alan Silvestri, who did, uh, he also did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which we might cover in a future episode. Spoilers. Mm -hmm. Predator, Mac and Me, and Overboard, one of my personal favorites. I'm a huge Kurt Russell guy. Sue me. Uh, Forrest Gump and Castaway. Also, he works with Zemeckis quite a bit. So, Gabe, this score was pretty universally loved. And it also had, uh, you know, Huey Lewis on board to provide a few hits. The Power love of Love was the first number one love single love. on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 for Huey Lewis in the News. And uh, it was certified gold. And received a, uh, a nod from the Academy. Got a nomination. I don't think it won. But uh, the album spent 19 weeks on the Billboard 200 and peaked at number 12 in 1985. October 1985. Uh, so, Gabe, you're bringing the goods here. Uh, you remixed three tracks. I gave you the main title theme. I gave you uh, a title. Uh, uh, I gave you a song called Burning the Book, which is when Marty, the music's playing when Marty is burning the almanac at the end of two. And then I gave you the music uh, for the scene when the Western Union delivery man shows up. Uh, the Western Union guy, of course, played by Joe Flaherty of SCTV fame, Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. You'll never make this putt, jackass. Yep. And uh, Count Floyd on the Ed Grimley cartoon. He was also the dad of Freaks and Geeks, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's in, pops up in a lot of random stuff. I love him. So, Gabe, we're going to listen to the clean track, 
and then we're going to listen to your remix. Are you ready for this? Do you want to do you want to lay the groundwork? You want to give any kind of introduction for this or what? No, except uh, watch out for the sitar. <laughs> oh my god, you brought back the sitar? <laughs> dun dun dun. In all three. So number one, I gave him a clip from the main theme. Let's take a listen. This is the non-gabed up version. Let's take a quick listen. Okay, pretty epic. You can almost see the scenes happening mm -hmm. as you're listening. They're just married forever. I kicked this over to Gabe. I said, Gabe, I think you can work with this. I think you can maybe even improve on it. Let's uh, let's see what he did here. Gabe, you, you sure you don't want to introduce this clip? Yep. You're, gonna, you're just going to let the talent speak for itself. Is that right? Yep. Very much, much talent. Okay, much. A lot of talent. Many talents. Much talent. Many talents, yes. The most talent there is. Okay, all so. All the talent. All of it. So the main title, Gabe Remix. Let's take a listen. to do with Back to the Future. <laughs> Alright. Suddenly become Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> oh, Gabe, Gabe, so please talk decide, us through this. You decided to just go off road. You thought maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You want to explain Ooh, any of your thought process behind this? Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Come on, what's the behind the music on this one, Gabe? Um. You told me I could um leave the music and like do my own thing or whatever, and I took that the wrong way. So no, you did not. You took it absolutely <laughs> that's, the that's right the, way. That's the uh, that's the product. That's that's great, the, that's that's the, the product. product. That's what Gabe that's is telling Zemeckis in the, in the meeting. That's uh yeah. that's the product. That's the product, that's, Bob. That's 
that's that's what you got. All Bob, right? that's what you ordered. That's great. Okay. So the, <laughs> so the second one, the second one is uh, the track was called Burn the Book. It's when Marty is burning the sports almanac at the end of two. Uh, big scene. It's when they're fixing everything that they screwed up when Biff stole the almanac. Uh, here's the original track, Marty burning the book in the bucket. Foreboding. Foreboding. Yeah. So a nice riff on the main title theme there. Uh, as Marty's burning the almanac. Uh, Gabe took that and gave us this. Let's take a listen. We'll take a listen and see what Gabe came up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this song needs? Goes and snaps. Wasted <laughs> <laughs> no time in decimating that one. He's trying to get a party going. Out with the old and with the new, kids. <laughs> sure. Mongo's fuck <laughs> The Bacos, the Bacos! The Bacos! The Bacos are the new sitar! I right. can't even take it. Okay. Gabe. Gabe, the production's very do- very well done. It's all on time. It's it's not bad. Okay. Not bad. So here we go. Last one was, as I said, the Western Union scene. The guy from Western Union shows up. Uh, here's what that sounds like. The original. Take a listen. So that was the big reveal that Doc is in 1885. Doc is back in the Old West. Uh, this is the Gabe remix. <laughs> Everything became Beverly Hills Cop. Everything's the Axel Foley theme. What? The sitar is back. I can't breathe. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Still has the swell. He knows where to, he knows what not to lose. Good ears, oh, kid. 
the sitar really brought it home. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to listen to that theme without thinking, bong digga, bong digga, bong digga. Yeah, holy moly. All right, oh, Gabe. Gabe. Very well done on your remix assignment. I'm sure you'll be hearing from Bob Gale. If, if they didn't want to make a fourth one before, they probably will now based on the musical inspiration. And certainly after this next bit we're about to do where you wrote scenes for Back to the Future 4. Let's take a quick break and then get into it. Imagine that this line represents time. Here's the present, 1985, the future, and the past. Prior to this point in time, somewhere in the past, the timeline skewed into this tangent, creating an alternate 1985. Alternate to you, me, and Einstein, but reality for everyone else. So listen, Todd, we got our work cut out for us, okay? All right, yep. The the cast, I'm going to read you the cast list. Okay. Let me get through it, and then we'll divvy it up, all right? All right. Mm-hmm. Narrator, Marty, Doc, Marty 2, dun-dun-dun. Oh, whoa. Biff slash hazmat guy. Then there's someone called Bifflander. Then there's someone <laughs> someone called Man in the Corner. I want then that. There's, then there's Clark the Clerk, which has Clark Todd written all over it. Yep, yep, yep. The, Waiter also has Todd written all over it. <laughs> yep. And then con- and then conductor. I don't know. I'm so, kind of feeling that myself. So, Gabe, did you have any assignments as far as roles in mind for who you wanted to be who? Uh, I think you're you're probably going to be Marty and maybe Marty too. Is that correct, Gabe? Yes. Okay. So Gabe's on Marty duty. I yep. think Todd, it's up to us to divvy up the rest. I'll I'll continue tradition and be the narrator. Okay. Okay. So Marty, Marty two, narrator of filled. I think I'll be narrator and doc. Do you think you can handle everyone else or do you need me to take somebody? Nah, I got it. You got Biff, Biff Lander, man in the corner, Clark, the clerk, waiter and conductor. Yeah. I've been waiting my whole life for this. You're such a (laughs) actor. I love Mm -hmm. it. Okay. So here we go. Back to the future for Gabe's latest script. And Mr. Gale and Mr. Zemeckis, we know you're listening because you've written in, you listen to every, you don't miss a show, which we appreciate this for your consideration. If you're getting ready to reboot, here we go. Doc's new lab. (laughs) (laughs) It's already so good. Doc's new, new lab. Yep. 1986. Whoa. What is this place, Doc? I walked in and like everything got bigger. Well, that's what happens when you've earned a Nobel Peace Prize. Why have I not heard of this, Doc? It hasn't been in the newspaper. Oh, yeah. It's from, uh, when was it? I believe 1905. Isn't that changing history drastically or whatever? Nah, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) He went from caring about never changing history to, eh, who cares in four. But wait, wait, read the next line. Marty and Doc stare in silence at the prize, and it starts to disappear. Oh, my God. <laughs> Marty and Doc simultaneously. Ready, Gabe? One, two, three. Great, Great Scott. Scott. Hey, that's my line. 
Title sequence. Game actually has the spot for Back to the Future 4. Title sequence comes up. Yeah. Music kicks in. I wish you could all see it because it's done in alternating blue and orange and it's underlined and bold. The only thing it's missing is italics. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. Now the time the time train nineteen eighty six. It cuts to Marty and Doc in the time train, setting the times. Right. I think you're at that point. Put in the time. Really? Okay, then. Marty accidentally presses 2905 instead of 1905. Wait, Doc, one sec. Where we're going, we don't need roads. You said that before, Doc. (laughs) Well, that sucks. (laughs) Where we're going, we don't need tracks. That's better. They they zoom... They zoom into the sky, and they leave a trail of flames in the air. It's fantastic. Now, the time train, 2020. Oh. Great, Scott! I forgot to put coal in the furnace! Well, when are we, Doc? <laughs> they look at each other, and then at the time controls. 2020! Streets of NYC, 2020. It seems in 2020 that everyone wears weird mask-like things. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Marty approaches a person wearing a mask. Excuse me, miss, where can we find charcoal? Stay six feet apart and wear your mask. <laughs> Why do I have to wear a mask? Ugh. The woman walks away. Marty, I think we ought to get masks. Let's do it. <laughs> Conven- <laughs> Convenience store 2020! <laughs> Excuse me, uh, sir. Uh, Doc gets close to the man to try to see his name tag. Uh, okay, Clark the clerk. <laughs> Get it, Marty? <laughs> I'm not four years old. Please stay away from me. I don't want your germs. Why is there some kind of sickness going around? Take these masks and never come back. Thank you, and please come again. (laughs) Streets of New York City, 2020. I'm hungry. Maybe we should go to the diner and grab a bite, and maybe they'll have TVs showing what this bug going around is. (laughs) Diner, 2020. I can barely breathe in this thing, Marty. (gasps) (laughs) Well, we gotta, because everyone seems to hate people that don't wear these. Some guy in a hazmat suit walks in. Marty, do you have the empty bags? (laughs) No one's gonna know what the hell you're saying, Don! Marty, do you have the empty bodies? No, Biff, I don't. I'd punch you if it wasn't for this COVID-19 thing. (laughs) Don't look at him, Marty. I won't. The two run out of the store, but Biff stops them. Who the hell are you? This is my uncle, and we're, uh, on a vacation here. Are you an immigrant? I thought they closed down every airport. Run! Doc and Marty take off running. Doc takes <laughs> takes a turn into an alley. Oh, no, you don't. 
Biff starts running after them. Marty takes a skateboard from a kid. Just like old times. Wait a minute. This has happened before? Deja vu! Marty and Biff rode around a bit under cars, over people, all over. Watch this. Marty takes a turn around a corner and Biff slides into a truck filled with brown substance. Manoa. I hate Manoa. Biff throws his hands down in defeat. Marty rides over to the kid who <laughs> gives the skateboard back. Thanks, kid. Marty jogs over to Doc. Just like old times, Marty. Yes, just like it. <laughs> just like it. Just like it. Streets of New York City 2020. So keep on these masks and stay six feet apart. Okay, Doc. Marty approaches a man on the street. Excuse me, sir. Where can we find charcoal? You can find charcoal at 53rd and 4th. <laughs> so matter of fact. Right. The old charcoal factory. Everybody knows that's why they keep our charcoal here in 2020 <laughs> on the streets of New York. You can find the charcoal at 53rd and 4th, kid. Fill your bowls and buffers. There's only one place to go. Chester's Charcoal. Down on 53rd and 4th. You can't miss it. It's got a big sign that says charcoal on it. Yeah, help with the boil in your furnace. <laughs> Okay. Buffers and buses, kid. <laughs> Scene setting. 53rd and 4th. Oh, 20, charcoal 20. Right. right. It cuts to Marty holding the charcoal and Doc walking alongside him. Nothing like the sweet smell of charcoal. You're weird. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. You too. It cuts to them on the train. Where we're going, we don't need, uh... Tracks, Doc. It's tracks. Tracks. Marty sets the time to 1905. They leave a trail of flames behind them. Marty and Doc and the time train appear on a railroad. Seed setting. The UK, 1905. Oh, Gabe's definitely one of us. Okay, where did you receive this prize? Norway. Well, where are we now? <laughs> the UK! A train conductor approaches. Hey, Bob, cheerio, good sir, the Queen's <laughs> subjects. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Where are you, Eddie? Norway. Take that road. Road? The, condu <laughs> the conductor points to a track. And we're off. Stay at 87 miles per hour, Doc. We don't want to time travel. Deal, Mar <laughs> Marty. Deal. You know what? No, it wasn't a deal. You know what? Never mind. The Norwegian Nobel Institute, 1905. And there? Is there a ceremony? Great Scott! Doc looks at Marty, and Marty seems confused. We have to go to the phone to call whoever stole my prize for literature. <laughs> you didn't tell me it was literature. I can't, I can't even see through my tears. <laughs> I can't see. Why? Why would he be winning it for literature and not for science? He did invent a time machine, after all. Oh my god. He didn't write a book about the time machine. Oh, oh but maybe that's the good ruse, right? He, maybe. he 
creates a time machine, has all these amazing adventures, writes a book about it, so no one questions his, you know, creating a time machine. Maybe and we're getting rope dope Maybe it's mm-hmm. a game rope dope Okay. We have to go to the phone called, called whoever stole my prize for literature. You didn't tell me it was literature. No one can know too much about their own future. When I received this phone call 10 a.m. on June 4th, I was like, Bifflander, Bifflander, you did it. <laughs> Doc and Marty look at each other. To the to time, the time train. train! The time train, 1905. Set the date for June 4th, 9 a.m. Where does he live? He had a southern accent, very specific in his words, and his name was Bifflander. The only place that could be, the West. <laughs> and he could be Buford's son. The old scene setting. The old west. June 4th, 1905, 9 a.m. It's important that it's 9 a.m. He's probably in the saloon, the old drunk. Let's go. (laughs) The saloon, 1905, 959. Gabe, it takes them an hour to get to the saloon in this old western (laughs) town. Gabe, I can go across Manhattan in an hour. Yeah, there's the right horses there. Oh my god. More like they have to drag dead horses there. How long would it take? Jesus Christ. Go ahead, waiter. Uh, I got a call for Bifflander. <laughs> okay, coming. Doc, what are you doing? Trust me, Marty. Doc runs and smashes the phone. Oh, shoot, sorry. Help! Let's go, Doc, hurry up. Everyone gets on horses. I wrote a book, you know. Fear me. <laughs> Everyone proceeds to run around the desert with their horses. Marty rides toward a cliff with Bifflander right behind them. Bifflander has no hands on the horse, and he looks like he's going to lasso Marty. Marty takes a turn. Bifflander's horse stops short of the cliff, and Bifflander goes flying off. This isn't the last of me. <laughs> Talking Marty here in the saloon grabbing a drink. Call for Emmett Brown. That's me! That's you, Doc. Don't look at him. Or you, rather. Well, we got the prize, so let's get out of here. <laughs> the Lab, 1986. So what was the book called? My Adventures with Marty. High s- the High School, 1986. Marty is sitting down in class. Oh, oh, today we're going to be starting an assignment and we're going to be reading a classic that actually won a Nobel Peace Prize. My Adventures with Marty. Marty smiles and the camera zooms into his dun, face. Dun, 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 Back dun, to the dun, future theme, theme music and credits. Game, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you need to explain yourself. <laughs> you, you need to explain. Yeah, it's a, it's a kid. Much explaining to do, Gabe. <laughs> First of all, why does he win a Nobel Peace Peace Prize? I don't know. I, I thought it was for literature. It, yeah, it was. Right, but I think the Peace Prize and the Literature Prize, correct me if I'm wrong, are different. I thought a category was literature. Yeah, it is. He's right. No. It's the no No, it's not. The Nobel Peace Prize is it's for peace. Right, the Nobel Prize in literature would be for literature. The Nobel Peace Prize would be for peace. Oh. 
Uh-oh. Unless you wrote something <laughs> that got two warring countries to stop fighting each other. Ah, well, you, could you, know. ro- you could roll it all up in one. Maybe my adventures with Marty, you know, were was able to solve some rift. Okay, so great, Gabe. I yeah, think it's fantastic. I think I think uh, you'll be hearing from Zemeckis. I think the COVID thing is timely, and I think maybe there is room in the world for a peace literature prize. Gabe. Hi. I was going to tell you a joke about time travel, but you didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for our season two premiere. If you're new to the show, please check out episodes from our first season, such as Sonic and Knuckles, When Alf Met Mr. Belvedere, Night Trap, Willow, Mega Man 2, and more. Thank you for listening. Share this with a friend and feel free to drop us a line at supernintendads at gmail.com to let us know your favorite memories, scenes, or lines from Back to the Future 2. Say so long to the folks, Gabe. So long to the folks, Gabe. And remember, gaming should be fun. See you soon.